Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Fellas. I am Cam, Cam Law 317, um, and I am joined by my ever esteemed colleague, Mr. Tyler Plath. Tyler, how are you today? Man, I'm doing good. I, uh, you know, by the way, Tyler underscore Plath, if we're throwing out the Twitter handles right mm-hmm. at the beginning of the episode. Um, yeah, I'm doing good. I, uh, I've, I, I'm excited to kind of go into this week of football because last week was was like major overreaction. This week is still overreaction, but like there were just so many weird things that happened this week, right? We had three teams come back in the most like in insane ways. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I like it's going to be a good episode to just kind of break down, look at and and look at, you know, <laughs> the fact that someone like uh who's the tight end 3 for Denver? Eric Sa- uh, Sobert, Sobert, I think mm-hmm. that's how you say his name. Um, finished higher than a guy like Hunter Henry this week, then Cole Komet. I, so, yeah, again, just a weird week of football, but I'm excited to break it down with you. And, and you're hosting this week. I am hosting this week, so I'm excited to get into it. Again, the reason, I guess I shouldn't say the reason, one of the reasons Ty is wearing his Vikings jerseys, we are recording Monday night. Um, Vikings are playing out a little bit. We are pumped. Um, so hopefully tomorrow we'll be in good moods. Um, hopefully we'll be tweeting good things tonight about the game. Uh, <laughs> hopefully. But, um, so that's why we're not going to comment at all on Monday Night Games. We're recording right now. Uh, again, we are the Fantasy Football Fellas. Fantasy Football Fellas on TikTok and uh, YouTube. FF Fellas on Twitter and the FF Fellas on Instagram. Um, again, a Camelot 317 for me on Twitter. And Tyler is Tyler underscore Plath. Lucas is at Lucas Wenzel. And one last thing. Make sure you guys are jumping in our chalkboard. We're, we've been growing that. We're, we're pushing 1,000 people in there um, so far. That's where we like put all of our weekly rankings, start sick questions, um, all that fun stuff in there. And, you know, we, we've been putting a lot of time into trying to get, you know, Ty just posted some weekly player props in there. We're going to start putting DFS lineups. Ty, got anything to add about chalkboard? I, you know, I hope you keep stalling for like two seconds just to, uh, so I can look at our props and kind of, you know, (laughs) victory lap them a little bit because I think it was a relatively good week, but I got to make sure. All right. All right. Before we get into that. Also, we just want to let you know, we're not going to spoil anything, but there are some really big things about to happen with the fans football fellows that we are really excited about. We're going to tease that and leave it at that. Um, but yeah. Week two is in the books. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I mean, that the the only thing that we can say is that it's massive and that you yes. should stay tuned because it's going to be freaking awesome. But is. sorry for keeping it, you know, <laughs> so under wraps. We, we want to tease, but yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. And so I we got week two under the books. Uh, like Ty kind of alluded to, week two was a really good week for the fellas. Like, we had some players that we were we were pretty high on this week that that really performed that really did well, um, but yeah, Ty, do you got those player props quick before we jump into overreaction Monday? No, I need you to keep stalling. <laughs> All right. Well, we can we we can get to those player props um, probably after news and notes then, but we'll we'll jump right into overreaction Monday, and I can I can start first again. This is our new segment. This is. Here's what happened this weekend, and here's what you shouldn't be going like 
losing your mind about. And for me, it's on Christian McCaffrey. Too many people are saying that Christian McCaffrey is not a top five option right now, that he has lost a step. Christian McCaffrey is as good as ever. This team's just got to realize how to use him again. Two targets in a game is not going to cut it for Christian McCaffrey. This is a guy who should be seeing five-plus targets. When they use him correctly, he can do amazing things. He still ripped off a 50-yard run in the last game. He hasn't lost it. He was he looks good on a team that's really been struggling to get going. As they start to figure it out, I think Christian McCaffrey is going to be pretty good moving forward. Ty, what, what is your overreaction that you're speaking against this week? Ha, uh, my my overreaction is that people are is that people are still saying that Clyde Edwards Elaire is a viable option of fantasy football still, and he's just not okay. And that's the mo- that's the worst way to start off an argument. But let's just dive into the stats a little bit from this last game. Before his fifty, what was it, fifty two yard 52 rush? Fifty two yard run. Yep, his fifty two yard run. He was on seven carries for 22 yards. So he was only averaging three yards a carry. That's not good. No, he did have four receptions on four targets for 44 yards. So that's eight points plus the two rushing. So he was at 10 points, which like, you know, it's, it's pretty modest after this week of football, because, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, points were hard to come by for some people. Yes. (laughs) Um, But the thing is, I mean, his his 50 yard run took him over 15 points, and then last week he had only three catches, and two of those catches were for touchdowns. The man is unpredictable, and if you want to take the risk of starting him week in week out because you think he can put up mid teen numbers again, be our guest. That to us, there is too much volatility that comes with CH with his role that's kind of be balanced around with Jarek McKinnon, Isaiah Pacheco. I who knows which receiver is going to step up in which game. I mean, this past week it was Jalen Watson, is I think that's his name. Jalen Watson, I think that's his name. Something Justin Watson, Justin Watson. Watson. Yeah, Justin Watson, just not Christian Um, Watson, (laughs) (laughs) right? But like. They still got guys like Michael Harmon, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky, uh, Sky Moore. They've also got a guy named Travis Kelsey. I don't know if you guys know who that is. but He's aight. He's, he's, he's aight. Um, all that to say, like, it's just too much of a risk for us. And sure, like, prove us wrong. Yeah, like, prove us wrong, CEH. Like, make us regret saying that you're too volatile for fantasy football. Yeah. But for uh, like when we can be getting more consistent numbers out of a guy, literally anybody, (laughs) I was going to think of an example, but I'm like, no, literally anybody Mm -hmm. has a better chance of posting more consistent numbers in CEH at this point. So um, for those of you saying that uh, Clyde Edwards, Elaire is a viable option. uh, No, but you do you, we will continue winning games because we, you know, hyped up people like Amon Ross St. Brown and Christian Kirk in the offseason and uh, not taking a victory lap, but like kind of taking a victory lap on that. So, um, yeah, just just be on the lookout if you have CEH in your leagues. Just know that there may be some bad games coming his way, but, again, prove us wrong. Yeah, he's had volume. He's had been, actually been outsnapped by Jerick McKinnon each of the last two games, and his volume right now kind of reminds me of Kareem Hunt's in Cleveland and I don't think anybody's going to argue Kareem Hunt is a much better back than CEH, and yet Kareem Hunt is still volatile, you know. And so it's 
if Kareem Hunt is going to be volatile in a team that is so dedicated to the run, how much more is CH going to be volatile on a team that is been like founded on the pass and he's you know just not as good as Kareem Hunt is? But with all that being said, let's dive into some news and notes. Uh, so first, first piece of news: Mike Evans was actually suspended for a game um, out there protecting Tom Brady. I don't know if you saw the clip, Ty, but uh, where he um, the refs talking to him and like getting in his face, and he goes, "That's Tom Brady. What do you want me to do?" Like you can read his lips, and that's what he says. Um, this isn't the first time it's happened to Evans. Um, who knows if it will be if it will, if it will be the last? Um, but he is out uh, week three. Dalton Schultz. Same type of injury uh, that Zeke had last year, that PCL injury. Nobody know, or It's not known yet if he's going to miss time at all. You got to think, though, that really affects the Dallas Cowboys moving forward um, if they lose Dalton Schultz. To be down Dak, now Schultz. Gallup's still not back. I mean, you're relying on C- CD, Nate Brown, Noah, T- Brown. Noah Brown, Tony Pollard, and uh, Ezekiel Elliott pretty heavily there. Ty... Looking forward, if Dalton Schultz misses a week or two, what's your outlook for the Cowboys? Um, I guess my outlook is look at Noah Brown on waivers. Uh, he actually had a fairly decent, and when I say fairly decent, I mean like a pretty good game yep. last uh, against the Bengals. So I definitely look at him on waivers. Um, I'm also kind of thinking this is the week that Gallup gets back a little bit, right? Because there's a just a need for him now. Yeah. Um, so he could be back. But I think the other thing, too, Tony Pollard is going to be more of a play this week if Dalton Schultz is out. And I th- and that's a <laughs> that's a hard pill for me to swallow. That's a hard mm-hmm. pill for us to swallow. Um, but I think the thing with that, I mean, with that being said, Zeke can get his and Pollard can get his. And yeah. we saw that this past week. Like Pollard got his off of one major run. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'll say it. I'll just yeah. say it. But um, yeah, I would look at like Noah Brown. Maybe he'll be on the lookout for Michael Gallup. Um, and Tony Pollard should remain a, a a part or should have a part in the in the receiving game going forward. Yeah, I would agree. Um, moving on, we had Joe Flacco is going to be the starter in Week Three. Uh, I don't blame them. I wouldn't rush Zach Wilson back, especially the way Joe Flacco looked last week. Um, not that the Browns are like prime Joe Flacco with the Ravens. He did. He, he mounted a comeback and we'll talk about one of the receivers that had a boom week under him. So what we've kind of seen from the Jets these first two weeks, we can kind of expect to continue against or continue in week three. I don't have it off the top of my head who they're playing, but, um, great question. Uh, they've got the Bengals. So maybe I mean that'll be an interesting game. That could either be you know that's either where it, it could be pretty high scoring. Let's be could. real, it could, it could be, or it could be the get right game for the Bengals and the Jets might not score a point. It could go either way, but as far as targets go, distribution of the ball, it should be pretty similar to what we've seen so far from the Jets. James Conner was banged up um, last week, and I know this one hurt me personally. I am going to lose my fantasy league against the guy who had two guys out in his starting lineup. Um, before the games even started because James Conner was not able to get a one-yard touchdown rush um, because he was out and Damian Williams did. But they do think Conner is going to be back next week. He was in uniform the entire game. Jerry Judy is dealing with a 
sternum injury, but he is said to be day to day. That is something to watch. Cortland Sutton popped off after Judy left. Um, he was doing all right before, but you know, kind of made that statement um, moving forward. And then the big piece of news: Mr. Trey Lance is out with a season-ending ankle injury. Tyler, what did, what does this mean? for the passing options in San Francisco, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. I think it would be too easy to say to, you know, to start expecting what we saw last year a little bit. Um, but I think, I think they're going to have to rely on Jimmy a little bit more going forward, just because there's no Elijah Mitchell, uh, Tyrion Davis price, uh, is now out four to six weeks. um, so the only running back is currently Jeff Wilson or Jordan Mason, mm-hmm. uh, which sounds to me again, like uh, Devo Samuel will be getting some more carries. Yes. And I think the beauty of this is, I mean, they were pretty, they were reliant. So, or, oh my goodness. They relied so much on Debo in the rushing game and also as a threat in the passing game. But now that Ayuk is kind of out of the doghouse. And with not a whole big need to have Kittle blocking all the time in the run game, mm-hmm. he can get open for passes now. So I really think like all these guys honestly are either like right where you know keep the value or like bump them up just a little bit, yeah. just because this offense. I mean, this offense has to go through these three guys now. It has yeah. to. Yeah, they have no other choice, and I couldn't agree more. Looking to the future, obviously. Um, hope Trey Lance gets back healthy. Um, but he is out with the rest of the season after a toughish first two starts of the season. If you're looking from a dynasty perspective, is Trey Lance a sell? Are you trying to just get whatever assets you can and move on? Are you holding Trey Lance or are you trying to go get Trey Lance right now? I'm moving him to someone that is kind of going with a youth movement or someone that wants a young QB. Um, Dan Orlovsky had a tweet after, you know, after the news broke and his tweet was essentially like, feel so bad for the guy praying for him and all and all that. But there was a little snippet that he had in there that he was like, he won't be playing like meaningful football for like three years now. Right. Cause his yeah. senior, or, cause his last year at NDSU, uh, was canceled due to COVID. He sat his rookie season. Now he misses all this season. That's three seasons. And you can tell that like just you know in the first game and one possession that he played having jimmy in the locker room messed with his psyche a ton a ton and and like you know i'll I'll hop on a soapbox a little bit and just kind of say like john lynch and kyle shanahan like how dare you like that's not cool to the guy to bring back jimmy g like that like that's not cool because you saw the reception that he had when he went into the game from his teammates yeah they loved it it almost looked like they prefer jimmy g Mm -hmm. so i'm not going to sit here and say that they set up trey lance for failure but they put in front of him so many big obstacles that a guy like Trey Lance who hasn't played in two years is really going to struggle to get over. So if I'm someone with Trey Lance and dynasty, like I'm going to try to move him just because again, like there, there, 
There are so many roadblocks now in his way. He's got to come back from this injury. Who knows what they do? Do they bring back Jimmy at the end of this year? Yeah. Who knows, right? Like, who knows what's going to happen with Trey Lance? And because of that, like, I got to say, like, move on from him. Get value for him while you can. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a tough pill to swallow if you paid up for Trey Lance, kind of like the 49ers did. Um, but or someone that we know like really, really well. Yeah, that it was. Yeah. It was. It was a crushing, crushing day for Lucas, <laughs> losing Dak week one, and then you lose Trey Lance week two. And I know our league mates were so kind in sending him some great offers for a couple backup quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> but you guys are the real MVPs. <laughs> you guys are. But Ty, have you? calculated our lines from our chalkboard this week how, how did we do we are currently sitting at five and four okay we are currently waiting on dalvin cook okay. whose line was at 18 fantasy points i think he hits that relatively easy tonight weather doesn't look to be great in philly in philadelphia allowed the most fantasy points to running backs last week against detroit it feels like it should hit and if that's how it feels like for or that's how it feels for all the other kind of misses that we had, Jarvis Landry was at eleven fantasy points. Where was he in yeah. that game? Right, disappeared. Uh, Naeem Hines, his line was at eight fantasy points. He finished with seven point seven. Oh, like that's close. That there's, I mean, you can understand the logic of taking that because yes, for sure, for sure. And then Devontae at twenty two. Sure, it was a little steep, but we did not expect nine fantasy points out of the guy. Like, yep, <laughs> yeah. So, all in all, good week, and uh, there's room to improve. So, you should join Chalkboard and see us improve and, and win some money off of it. Yeah, prize picks. I uh, put in an under um, bet, oh. and Mike Evans and Kyle Pitts hit the under easy, and I thought I was going to cash it out, and Mister CD Lamb. Hits the over by one yard. I needed 15 points to be under, and he got 15.1. Just devastating stuff over there. Devastating. Play at your own risk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but with that, let, let's jump into our week one booms. Let's talk about the guys who had a great week before we get into the guys who had a not-so-great week. Um, <laughs> our first guy is Mr. Nick Chubb. We kind of talked about him earlier. Chubb had 17 carries, 87 yards three touchdowns he also added three receptions for 26 yards on the ground to be the running back one overall i think our hesitation with this is comes from everything that we saw in week one in week one chubb could have had a pretty similar week but kareem hunt has two touchdowns and one of them is a one-yard touchdown they are not afraid to switch up who is running the ball where in cleveland they are not afraid to give it to Kareem Hunt to the goal line. They're not afraid to give it to Nick Chubb, you know, on third down. Like they will, they will mix it up, and it is hard to read who's going to have what weeks. Usually, they're both pretty decent, but that that is what keeps us from continuously putting Nick Chubb as a top ten option. Looking forward for Nick Chubb, he gets Pittsburgh and Atlanta his next two games. So moving forward these next two weeks, probably going to be a top 10 option for us after what we saw this week um, with those two matchups. But Ty, are you, are you trading for Nick Chubb off of this? Or would this be something like you got Nick Chubb? Man, maybe I look at a guy we'll talk about later. Uh, well, I actually, I don't know if we'll talk about him later, but uh, Najee Harris. Uh, maybe, you know what? Here's the ideal trade. 
if I can flip Nick Chubb for DeAndre Swift, I'm doing that instantly. But that's really about the only player that I do it for because there's no way you're training for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. And so far this season, like DeAndre Swift is a top five back. So yeah. like, I don't know. Like DeAndre Swift is really the only guy. But I think the concern for Chubb is that like, I I, I think it's more so out of confusion. Like, where the heck was Cream Hunt this game? Yeah, like, he showed up in the fourth, but he was a he was a goose egg in the first half. Like he was nowhere. Yeah, you can't. And, and all that to say, like. I don't think anyone but Kevin Stefanski can predict <laughs> or, you know, game plan how much each player gets. Yeah, because they do run a little bit of a hot hand over there. Um, and that, that guy, I want to kind of transition that into our next guys. Uh, Aaron Jones and uh, finishes the running back two with 32 points just behind Nick Chubb. 15 carries, 132 yards and a touchdown. He also had three receptions, 38 yards and a touchdown. And yet he was outtouched by A.J. Dillon. Now, the thing about Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon that I like more than a Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is that the roles are reversed a little bit. Aaron Jones is the better pass-catching back. A.J. Dillon is the better downhill downhill back. It's okay if A.J. Dillon gets more touches in a game because Aaron Jones can make up for that easily, but Aaron Jones is still considered the lead back. Whereas Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb could have 140 yards like he did week one. But if he doesn't score a touchdown, all of a sudden he's sitting at 15 fantasy points, which you're like, is great. But it's not, you know, Aaron Jones league winning where he only has 18 total touches and can do this. And so that's why a lot of times this year we were optimistic on Aaron Jones and we kind of pumped the brakes on a little bit on Nick Chubb. We don't hate Nick Chubb by any means. Like Like I was saying, like the only reason I'd sell Nick Chubb right now is if you could get a DeAndre Swift, is if somehow you could pull off a Christian McCaffrey, a Dalvin Cook, a top five option. You know, I'm not giving him up, giving him up for, I probably wouldn't trade him for Aaron Jones right now. I love Aaron Jones, but they're, they're so similar to me. You know, you kind of want to take the better NFL player in the better running situation. But both kind of proved that, you know, we're going to be viable options moving forward in fantasy. Um, I just let's, let's hit a couple of our honorable mentions quick. We got Tony Pollard as a running back three with 19.8 points. And I think I, I know you have a stat to say on this, so I'll let you in just a second. But what this says to me more than anything is if your name wasn't Nick Chubb or Aaron Jones, you kind of you did not exceed expectations in any way this week. You know, like for the fact that the running back three scored less than 20 points, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it speaks to just how the running back running backs in the NFL this week did just as a whole. Um, but as I alluded to earlier, Ty, I know you got a good stat on Tony Pollard, so you want to you want to throw it out there? So for the through the first two weeks, when you look at the rushing shares between Zeke and Pollard, identical. Zeke is getting about 62.5% of the rushes. Pollard's getting the rest, and that was the same for week one and week two. Only difference... <clears throat> Sorry, um, week one in target share. So week one target shares, they were the same at right around like 5%. Uh, this week, though, uh, Pollard jumped up to 23%, and Zeke stayed right around like 6 or 7 And I know that like the Tony Pollard truthers are going to use that as like, this is why he needs to be the RB1. And I'm going to sit back here and just say like, oh, 
huh, how about that? Dak Prescott goes down, Cooper rushes your quarterback, and so now you need to utilize one of your running backs as a pass-catching option, so it's not just CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz. Yeah. Hmm, I wonder who it's going to be. Yeah. Tony, like, I don't know what people expected. Yeah. I expected Zeke to get maybe the receiving work. Fine, I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But, like, this by no means should make people think that Pollard is still or like has a better shot of, of taking over the lead role over Zeke. It's just, it's not going to happen. It's yeah. just not going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving on. We got Austin Eckler um, running back four with 18.4 Christian McCaffrey uh, running back five, 16.8 Deandre Swift and Damian Harris, both at 16.7 and James Robinson at 16.4 for me. I, I just want to touch on two of these guys super fast. The first one is um, Austin Eckler. And our expectations have to change on Austin Eckler. It was evident in this game that he is not going to be the touchdown machine he was last year. I mean, they gave the ball to Sony Michelle in the red zone over Austin Eckler. They're going to use other players. He's not going to score 20 touchdowns. He's still going to get touchdowns. But what Austin Eckler did come out and prove is he's still going to be a weapon in the receiving game. I mean, he had nine catches. That's what's going to give him... Um, his value. So I still see him as a top 10 back, but I do not see him as a top five back right now. I don't, I don't know how you feel on that. But that's, that's kind of how I'm feeling. Well, I think, I think Eckler can still have a game where he finds the end zone like two, oh, three times. No, hundred percent. He can. I just, I'm just thinking expectations that we saw last year. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Right. The expectations week to week should be right around like this 20 point margin or this mm-hmm. 18 point margin more than the 24, 25 that we saw him at last year. Yeah, I would agree. And then the other guy I want to talk about just super quick is Chris McCaffrey. And I, I touched on it earlier in overreactions, but McCaffrey was the running back five this week. And people are like, oh, no, he's falling off. He's running back five with two catches. Like, the dude's fine. He ri- ripped off a 50-yard run. He is fine moving forward. Um, I don't know. If, is there any any of these running backs you want to touch on super quick? Uh, Damien Harris, real quick. His touchdown came off of a muffed punt. So don't don't think that Damien Harris wow. is getting the you know, you know I did not know that or, yeah like Damien Harris was just the guy in at the time yeah. Ramondre will be just fine but yep. at this point the only Patriots piece that you should really be trusting is Jacoby Myers because I am not trusting Joe Judge or Matt Patricia to like get this offense through yes. a win <laughs> I would agree I would agree moving on to the wide receivers we probably saw. Maybe the best wide receiver duo fantasy performance I, I can Ever. remember. Ever. Um, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill combined for 82 fantasy points, both of them scoring over 40. Tyreek Hill is wide receiver one, 11 receptions on 13 targets for 190 yards and two touchdowns. Jalen Waddle, 11 receptions on 19 targets, 171 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, we actually just posted a video on this and. It was kind of all, all I said in it was these two can be great together. And that's what they proved. That was what we were worried about coming into the year was that they'd be great every other game. But that's still the possibility that Tyreek Hill has 13 catches or 11 catches and Jalen Waddle has minimal. Um, if you watch kind of the way this game progressed in the first half, it was all Jalen Waddle. Tyreek Hill was really doing nothing until he got two bomb touchdowns and the Dolphins had to come back from 20 points. Two is not going to throw 469 yards and six touchdowns every week. This is more of an anomaly than anything, 
but it does prove the point that Tua can support both of them in a single game. Um, this is the guy we were excited to talk about, this next guy. And that is Mr. Amon Ross St. Brown. The wide receiver three, 39.4 fantasy points, nine receptions on 12 targets, 116 yards, two touchdowns, two rushes for 68 yards. Before this game, he was, he was our start of the week at wide receiver. He was the guy that we were excited about. Ty talked about it on TikTok. I put it on my personal page. Lucas put it on, um, on the podcast last week. This is a guy we were all about, and it was just exciting to see. Tyler, moving forward, what is your expectation for Amon Ra? You, you have to look at him as a wide receiver two, borderline wide receiver one at this point. I mean, I'm I, I'm still looking ahead to when Jamison Williams comes back. I'm mm-hmm. not expecting a whole lot from Jamison Williams, so like that's why I'm putting him wide receiver two because I think a lot of people would say like he should be your wide receiver one in your team if you have him. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> be careful. Know that DeAndre Swift is still there. Know that TJ Hawkinson is still there. I, this is just how the game went is that Amon Ra was just the guy that was being looked at. I yep. mean, DJ Chark last week against Philly, he had a decent game, right? So, like, this is not something that we should be expecting from Amon Ra St. Brown, but at the same time, we clearly know the role of Amon Ra St. Brown. Yes. I'm going to play a difficult game with you quick here, and I know it's going to suck. I hate the name game. I know it's going to suck because I know these games – these names are going to be tough. And I, I will answer them too, so that it's not just you going through this pain. And I'm going to start with a real fun one. I'm on Ross St. Brown or Michael Pittman. <laughs> After what I saw from Indy this past week, I'm going to Monroe. I still slightly lean Pittman, but it's super close. I I don't think I could trade it's, Amon. It, I would not close. trade Amon Ra for Pittman right now, but I also don't think I'd accept someone trying to give me Amon Ra for Pittman, if that makes sense. It'd just be too hard to trade him after this performance. Amon Ra or T. Higgins? Amon Ra. Amon Ra or Mike Williams? Mike Williams. Amon Ra or A.J. Brown? Amon Ra, but slightly. Amon Ra or Tyreek Hill? That one's tough. (laughs) I probably lean Tyreek. Amon Ra or Jalen Waddell? I'm on raw. Ah, oh, 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 no. Um, yeah, I'm on raw. Yep. And so the, the reason I wanted to kind of play that game was not to say, hey, if you got these guys, you should be trading them back and forth. It was just just say, this is the company that I'm on raw is now in. Th- these are the types of players that we're talking about him with. Like, we're not saying I'm on raw or Justin Jefferson. We're not saying, you know, but these are the types of players that I'm on raw right now. You are like, oh, He's in this tier. And so moving forward, we got to kind of look at that. Honorable mentions. I mean, Cooper Cup's ridiculous. I saw a stat in eight minutes of game time. Cooper Cup had the same amount of receptions as the Bears wide receiver core has all season. Um, with seven. Um, I scored 31.8 points. I also found this interesting. Second game in a row, he scored exactly 31.8 points. Pretty nuts. <laughs> Garrett Wilson, 30 fantasy points. Youngest player ever. We have 14 targets in a game. Shout out to our friend Alex Caruso for that stat. Is Garrett Wilson the real deal now, Ty? Uh, oh, I need to see another week. Yeah. Um, because if I'm not mistaken, last week he only had two targets. 
Yeah, it wasn't amazing. Maybe actually, you know what? I think it was more like seven or eight because I have them on my dynasty team, and I should go double check that because we're not about to spread false information about people. Um, (laughs) Garrett Wilson had eight targets week one. Oh, did he really? Um, But he only had four catches. Okay, okay. So, like, I don't know. You got to kind of take it with a grain of salt. And um, when Zach Wilson comes back, it's pretty much back to square one for every option Mm -hmm. on the Jets. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it could definitely change a ton. Next guy on our list, Christian Kirk, another guy we kind of want to pat ourselves on the back. I mean, he was our best kept secret. And for me, I want to know your thoughts on this. I've been kind of stirring this up. Christian Kirk right now is the half step down from Amon Ra. He is Amon Ra without the same um, name value. But I'm also like, but he's also, you know, he's not going to, he doesn't have the same ceiling as Amon Ra. Amon Ra can score 40. Christian Kirk can score 27. But I think as far as consistency, targets, usage, Christian Kirk is, is a very viable wide receiver two this year in Jacksonville. And I think we need to start putting some respect on him. I saw something. Is Christian Kirk going to become the new Brandon Cooks? And he very well could, you know, because he's going to be consistent. They need to use him. And Trevor Lawrence has shown that he already trusts him. 18 targets in the first two games. He was six for six last game. So moving forward with Christian Kirk, do you see him as a wide receiver too? Is he have top 20 upside? Where, where do you see Christian Kirk? I think he's coming through on this wide receiver two upside that I think we all were trying to, you know, communicate to people is that he has upside and to see it kind of play out before us. It feels good. Yeah. Um, but I think going forward, like, you got to still kind of treat him as a flex. I I need to see probably one or two more games. This is this was the game where he scored. Last week was the game where he got yardage. So I want to see a game where he puts it all together. Yeah. But, I mean, if you want to take a risk and go out and get him now, or you have him and you're like, do I trade him? I feel like you have to trade him at a wide receiver two value. Yeah. Because he, when he puts it together – it's over. It's done. I mean, he, yep. he then becomes a Monroe 2.0. 100%. 100%. All right. Uh, Mike Williams, Mari Cooper, both 25 points. We love to see Mike Williams. Mari Cooper was a little bit of a surprise, but the guy I want to talk about is Drake London. 24.6 fantasy points. Moving forward, are you? would you lean Garrett Wilson or Drake London the rest of the season? I'm going to lean Drake London. Okay. I, 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 unless Garrett Wilson backs up what he did this past week, next week. Um, but Drake London, he very clearly has a role in the offense, and his role is to be the <laughs> catch everything that's thrown your way player. Mm-hmm. And he, he's a sneaky good route runner. We knew this coming, you know. Going in, oh my goodness, going into the draft. Yeah. We knew that about him. He's a sneaky good uh, route runner. But he's such a big body that he kind of has red zone upside. If the Falcons ever get there, I don't expect them to get there a whole lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he has that kind of upside. And yep. with Zach Will, like like I said before, Zach Wilson coming back for the Jets, 
every receiver on the Jets is back at square one when he steps back in. So yep. I, I lean Drake London, but I can understand an argument at least for Garrett Wilson too. Yep, I would agree. Moving on to the quarterbacks, our two boom quarterbacks were in the same game. It was a 42-39 game. That was Lamar Jackson and Tua Tagovailoa. And it's – for Lamar Jackson, this is the ceiling we talked about all season long. This is the ceiling, you know, that we were – everybody's kind of been excited about. So, Tyler, my question more goes to Tua. I'm going to actually read Lamar's stat line real quick because it's kind of ridiculous. 21 to 29 for 318, three touchdowns, nine attempts for 119 yards and a touchdown, right? We understand that's his ceiling. And it can be debated if that's going to be consistent or not. I tend to lean that, I mean, obviously the ceiling is not, but the production is going to remain consistent the rest of the season for Lamar Jackson. He's out to prove something this season, and he's got good weapons around him. The question I want, the guy I want to spend the most time on for quarterbacks is Tua. Tua posted 36 of 50 for 469 yards, six touchdowns and two picks when you're looking forward do you look at Tua now as a top 12 option or do you need to see it a couple more weeks before you can even get to that point man i need to see it a couple more weeks i know that the thing this offseason through the first two games is the players clearly trust Tua, Mm. and this is really the first game where we saw Tua kind of put it together i need to see another game because the game script asked for him to step up. Yeah. I need Tua to step up first possession of the game. And he's not, I mean, he. I'm not going to ask for 500 yards and six touchdowns. But what I'm going to ask for is a 300 for three touchdown stat line. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to ask for from him. And so far, he's not been able to do that. So, yep. like, this this certainly nudges the, the needle a little bit right back to this like oh maybe okay okay maybe mm-hmm. one more game right but like i said like i need him to start right away yeah right away and that didn't happen yeah i would agree i i need to see it some more i think he's pushing into a top 15 option um a two versus Derek carr if you were in that situation that could be something i might start questioning i understand people leaning towards Derek carr i am just been lower on Derek Carr consistently this entire offseason. And so yeah, the thing that I want to just I want to touch on Lamar real quick. Tua had six touchdowns, 470 yards, and Lamar still outscored him. Like the rushing upside, the floor that that provides Lamar cannot be understated. I understand it was a 75 yard touchdown that really broke it through. But when you have that potential, like Lamar is the only quarterback I think that can break that run multiple times in a season, much less a career. Cause he, I mean, he has four, four speed. He, he's ridiculous. And so I just, I just don't want that to be like, kind of go unseen of yeah, two had a great week, but Lamar still outscored him moving on. The rest of this quarterback list is disgusting. Carson Wentz quarterback three. Kyler Murray, 26.9. Okay, fine. He should be up there. Joe Flacco, 26.9. Jared Goff, 26. And Justin Herbert, 24.5. If you bet before the beginning of this week (laughs) that Tua, Carson Wentz, Joe Flacco, and Jared Goff were going to be four of the top six quarterbacks in fantasy, you would have made hundreds of thousands of dollars. Millions. (laughs) Um, Because that is ridiculous. But the guy I really want to talk about right now is Carson Wentz. Two top three finishes to start off. I personally don't find that sustainable after watching him play the Jaguars and the Lions. Ty, moving forward, 
I guess I could ask this to or Carson Wentz moving forward. Probably lean to, uh, because I think like you said, Carson's kind of playing at his ceiling right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, I think Carson's kind of the perfect quarterback for Washington. Yeah. Move the ball he's around. a gunslinger. He's yeah. a gunslinger. That's what they need because clearly Antonio Gibson, I shouldn't say Antonio Gibson. Clearly the team doesn't know how to properly use Antonio Gibson because one week they gave him all the receiving work and look what happened the yeah. next week. They resort him back to a rushing role and it just didn't work. Yeah. So yeah, Carson's playing at a ceiling. Give me one like good defense, mm-hmm. please. Yes. <laughs> Before I make a, a, you know, a firm stance on Carson once, but like, I don't know, maybe kind of ride it out. Who yeah. knows? No, I, I would agree. Um, it's, I would like to spend a little more time with quarterbacks, but maybe later <laughs> we got to continue moving on to the tight ends. Um, the top two are, we wanted to see it. Mark Andrews, tight end one, 25.7 points, uh, nine catches on 11 targets, 104 yards and a touchdown. Darren Waller, six catches, 80 yards or six catches on eight targets for 50 yards and a touchdown, 17 points. The, I mean, these two, we kind we kind of, if you drafted them early, you're kind of taking a deep breath right here. Like, okay, I didn't make a stupid mistake. These guys still have great upside. Um, the guy I want to spend more time on is the tight end three, Mr. Zach Ertz. And the reason I want to spend time on him is he had eight catches on 11 yard on 11 targets for 75 yards. He had 15.5 points. It was tight end three without a touchdown. Zach Ertz, they need Zach Ertz in this offense. If I'm moving forward, I, I'm looking at Zach Ertz as a top six option until D-Hop is back. Then things change, but you got four more weeks where I think he's got to be a top six option for sure. With I mean, Dalton Schultz dealing with injury. TJ Hawkinson has not been stepping up. Kittle's in. I mean, you could even say maybe he starts creeping in to that tight end four conversation until um, D-Hop is back. Ty, what are, your, what are your thoughts on that? I... I think Zach Ertz may even have a role once D Hop gets back. Yep. Just with how Hollywood Brown has been playing so far this season, it's quite concerning. Yeah, we had such high. And they need they need a guy to kind of play between the sticks a little bit. Mm-hmm. Hollywood Brown is not that kind of receiver. DeAndre Hopkins is also not that kind of receiver. Zach Ertz is kind of the perfect player for it. So, excuse me, I don't. I, I wonder if Zach Ertz kind of actually has a role when Diop comes back. But that being yep. said, like if you're going to go get a tight end, go get Zach Ertz because yep. I'm going to start. Ex- I'm I'm starting to expect this kind of stat line more often. Maybe not the 11 targets, but I'm kind of expecting this like six, seven catches for 60, 70 yard type performance. Yeah, throwing a touchdown and all of a sudden you know he's tight end too. Right. Moving on to the other tight ends, we had Gasicki at tight end four, 14.1 points. Would not bank on that anymore going forward. He only had 60% of snaps. The only reason he scored so much was because of the high-scoring game. Tyler Higby, 14.1 points. He's a guy to watch um, in Los Angeles as a streamer tight end. And then my guy, Mr. Gerald Everett, finishes the tight end six. Um, two back-to-back weeks, 13-plus points. He's becoming a legitimate option, especially if a Keenan Allen or Mike Williams misses time. Because... Justin Herbert shown he he likes throwing to the tight end. He made Jared Cook relevant last season. I'm not saying Gerald Everett's top ten, but if you punted on tight end, I think he's the guy to get right now. Yeah, he absolutely is. I mean, 
this offense is high volume for the passing game. And <laughs> when DeAndre Carter is being more utilized than Josh Palmer, who is the supposed wide receiver three, to me that means that Gerald Everett, if not wide, you know, if he's not the third option because Austin Eckler is there, he's absolutely the fourth, and he will still give volume because of how high octane the passing attack is for the Chargers. 100%. Let's move on to the running backs. Boss. Um, oh, we, got about, we got about 15, 20 minutes to fly through these. But there was some disappointing weeks this week. Um, this, this first guy is hard to talk about. And that is Mr. Ezekiel Elliott. He is the guy that we've been pounding the drum on. We've been one of the few believers left, and he is just not bailing us out. As Ty alluded to earlier, he still had over 60% of the rushing snaps. It's just the receiving work was not there. You've got to imagine if Dalton Schultz missed time, they got to include him more in the receiving game. He will find the end zone. Tony Pollard is not going to be stealing a lot of one-yard touchdowns from him. Tyler, moving forward, do you what was your faith looking like in Ezekiel Elliott to produce? I, I, I should. I, it's not necessarily that I've got like little to no faith. Mm-hmm. I just have so many questions about Kellen Moore and how this offense is run. Yep. Like there is, there's nothing consistent about this offense. Yes, and even when Dak was in, right in the past year or two, like there's been nothing consistent about this offense. Mm-hmm. It's hard to really trust any kind of option. And he, like I know I said that Tony Pollard should be a good option moving forward just because Cooper Rush will still be a, you know, is still the starting quarterback. Heck, Tony Pollard may not get the receiving work next week. Yeah. Like no one knows. And I think that's why this offense struggles so much is because I don't think the players even know. Yeah. So like I like I said, I don't know if it's little to no faith, but it is just very questioning. It's a very questioning and doubting kind of faith because like, it's just so unpredictable. Yeah. No, it, it 100% is. And it's going to probably continue to be really unpredictable until Dak gets back. And even after Kellen Moore has proven that he, at least us, the fellas, don't believe is the man for the job. Moving on, we got Jonathan Taylor, 7.3 points, running back 34. Um, I'm not worried at all about Jonathan Taylor. It was just an awful game for the Colts in general. Um, Honorable mentions, Chase Edmonds, a little scary, only six touches. Obviously, it was a high-scoring game, but in a game where they're passing, you would expect a ton of work for Chase Edmonds. Is Chase Edmonds startable next week, Ty? I don't think you can start him because there's nothing to – show that he's still the guy yeah i just it's it was very very confusing and i mm-hmm. wish i could make it as simple as like oh wait a second the dolphins were down by three touchdowns yeah. because raheem Mostert was the option for running back oh who would have thought right like yeah i wish i could say that but i really don't know if i can say that so if you got chase edmonds eesh, oof. Yeah. um you better bench him he proved that his floor is super limited. The other guy that proved that he has no floor anymore moving forward is Rashad Penny. 1.5 fantasy points. It's scary in Seattle for Rashad Penny right now because they're going to be down in a lot of games, and if you aren't catching passes there, 
it's a, it's a shallow outlook. The other guy that we're mentioning, Cordero Patterson, just a weird game for him. Ten, uh, 10 rushes, no receiving work. You got to think that changes moving forward, um, but he's a guy I'd be very hesitant on starting next week. Um, let's jump to the wide receivers real quick. The two bust wide receivers, uh, Devonta Adams, 8.2 fantasy points, wide receiver 47. Jamar Chase, 10.8 fantasy points, wide receiver 40. I mean, Jamar at least had five receptions, nine targets still. So it wasn't awful. It was only 40 yards. I mean, he scores a touchdown, you're happy. Um, bad game for the Bengals all around. Devonta Adams was confusing, though. He was one of the guys, it seemed like it was such a good matchup. He only saw seven targets, but he only caught two of them. It, the fact that he caught a touchdown saved his week from you know being abysmal. But man, you just got to wonder, how do you go from 17 targets to seven? Uh, yeah. Derek Carr did not have a good game. No, let's just, let's just say it as it is. He did not have a good game. It was nice to see Waller get involved. Mm-hmm. Renfro got a little more involved. Every other aspect of Carr's game was just off. Yeah. And, he, and like Devonte Adams, like there were a couple times where Devonte Adams kind of like turned around and he's like, and, and like, He's got a visor, so you can't really see emotion. Mm-hmm. But you can totally kind of tell by like yeah, body that. language. He was like, the heck was that? Yeah, how would you underthrow me by five yards here? Right. Yeah. I would agree. Um, moving on to our honorable mentions. Juju Smith-Schuster, four points, wide receiver 71. It's interesting because he did have a really good first half um, in their first game against the Cardinals. He's a guy that I think you can still consider a flex moving forward in the next week. You're not excited about starting him, but I don't think that this was necessarily benchable for me. I don't know. Do you feel different? Would you be benching him? Or, Well, I think the only guy on Kansas City on the outside that you can keep with certainty is Juju. Yeah. Everyone else, I think Lucas and I touched this on the Saturday episode, everyone in Kansas City is pretty much now – droppable i would agree like you you want to think michael hartman you want to think mvs but they haven't they haven't shown up so far and until until they prove us wrong like they may be on waivers way sooner than we think yeah i i would 100 percent agree with that um jerry judy got injured had only 2.2 fantasy points i think this is going to happen from time to time but Russ looked off too. Russ had under a fifty percent completion percentage. The entire Broncos team was just off, and it's just this was. It does make me a little nervous because this was an at-home game against Houston, a get-right game. Yes, they won, but man, it was ugly. They oh, there's an argument to be made that they should have lost. Yeah, a hundred percent. And so they're a team moving forward. I see Judy and Juju about the same right now. But I need to see a lot more from Russ moving forward before I'm confident again in Jerry Judy. Yeah, here's my little PSA. I shouldn't say PSA message, but here's my little uh, monologue from Nathaniel Hackett. Stop throwing to Eric Saubert. Stop throwing to these backup tight ends, Andrew Beck. Yeah. Stop getting them involved. You've got playmakers like Jerry Judy and Corlin Sutton and Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon even. We don't even like Melvin Gordon, but Melvin Gordon's still there. Albert O is there. 
how are these guys not the focal point of your offense? How? It doesn't make any sense. And on top of that, your clock management sucks. It just sucks, okay? I don't know. Of course, he's not going to listen to this, okay? But it needs to be said. Every other coach, I guarantee you, if Kevin O'Connell was in Denver, he would find a way to get Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton 20-plus points every single game. Why are we still dumping it off on play-action rollouts to Andrew Beck and Eric Saubert? It makes no sense. Well, I don't think I could have said it better myself, and I think we're going to have to start a weekly segment of the Ty's rant of the week. Um, There's always going to be some. I mean, I kind of had a mini rant about Lance and or uh, about Trey Lance, and now yeah. it's Denver Broncos. Yeah, and I don't, I don't blame you at all. Um, looking at the other wide receivers, Elijah Moore, we kind of touched on. When Zach Wilson comes back, we don't know what's going to happen. DK Metcalf been disappointing again, only 7.5 um, fantasy points. He's a guy I'm starting to get a little worried about. Um, you know, I I want to see this offense try and move the ball a little more. Tyler Lockett had a decent enough game. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Out of and nowhere. So, and so you got to imagine DK is going to start getting his. They're going to stop using him on just five yards um, curl routes and actually try to get him down the field to push the ball. Um, Mike Evans got suspended, had a tough game, and Brandon Cooks had a tough game as well. Um, he's another guy I'd like to see another bounce back from game from, but he's kind of in that Juju Jerry Judy range for me. Moving on to quarterbacks, we touched on Russell Wilson. I don't think there's much more to say. Ty said it all. If they, they aren't throwing the ball down the field like they should, they have one shot a game, and that's it. They don't, I mean, there's nothing in that 10 to 20 yard range that they're throwing the ball at all to. They took two shots the entire game. One shot was to Cortland Sutton that should have been caught, but it was picked. The other one was to Eric so uh, Eric Saubert for the touchdown. That was the only time that they actually went downfield. Everything else was a play-action rollout over the middle or run with Javante or Melvin. Get the ball down the field. That's how you run an offense because everyone's just going to play forward, and I know that's probably what you want because then you can hit them deep. But let's be real. Like It takes a lucky play call when you get the defense to play forward and then you get a deep. I just... Denver is in real, real trouble. And, I mean, they should be grateful that they played Seattle and Houston first. Yeah. Because if they played a Baltimore or a Miami, or if they played a... I mean, Cincinnati would route this team. And we are all saying that Cincinnati is not the same Cincinnati from last year. Yes, 100%. The other guy on this list is Tom Brady, 9.4 fantasy points. Another ugly fantasy performance. He is 2-0. and do we have to be on like Tom Brady alert for hitting the uh, panic button on him? Like is father time catching up or are you not concerned about Tom Brady? He still makes some pretty good throws. Like his touchdown throw to Brashad Perriman was a yes, dime. It was a dot, but I like this team. The team's identity is not the offense. And that mm-hmm. sounds weird when you have Tom Brady, it's the defense. Yeah. And I like, I think he's still a top 12 option. He has to be. Yeah. But with the, I mean, top five finishes that we've seen the past couple of years, I really, I'm starting to doubt that that's a possibility for this year. Yeah, I would agree. I think it was pretty obvious that he. I think it was. I think it's pretty obvious that he is missing Chris Godwin. Um, yeah, oh, he just yeah. he's just had no one over the middle, uh, having no Julio either, and then Mike Evans obviously getting suspended was big. So, if Chris Godwin can come back, I think the whole dynamic of how Brady's playing changes. If Julio comes back as well next week. 
Um, I would look for about he, he trusts Julio. Yeah. And that was his first win against the Saints in the regular season since coming to the Bucks. So that that's a place that he just doesn't win in. And so um, that that that's something else to keep in mind. The other guys that struggled, Matt Ryan, 1.8 fantasy points. Ugh. I would just throw that entire game for the Colts out the window. Um, but I would also I, I shouldn't say throw it out the window because I kind of want to keep it like kind of hanging in the rear view. Just a little bit of like we see this again. Then, like, if this happens next week, gosh, because they're not a good football team. They are. Uh, they are not. They can't just, figure things out on defense. Offense yeah. is just. They just tied the Texans. I just yeah. talked myself in a circle. You should be a little panicked about the Colts' offense. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I, every everyone but Michael Pittman, and I mean, I don't even. I don't. I shouldn't say Michael Pittman should be in that territory just because he missed the game. Yeah. In his one game, he did kind of show up and show out. So probably not Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor. Obviously you're not going to, but like everybody else is not an option. Everyone else. And I don't know. Here's the other thing. This Indianapolis offensive line that has been so good the past couple of years. That's why Jonathan Taylor kind of exploded last year. Mm -hmm. They're not looking good. And no, like, they do not. At all. At no. all. No, they they do not look good. And then our other guy, Jameis Winston. They, I mean, this is what we kind of come to learn from Jameis. Obviously, he's playing with four fractured uh, vertebrae in his back. He's going to be in pain. Um, if he is going to perform, it's going to take him a little while kind of to get used to how to manage the pain during the game. But if you're streaming Jameis, you're ready for 35 or 7. And that's just kind of the outcomes you're going to be at. Um we, nobody's claimed he's a consistent quarterback moving forward, and I don't think they're going to start now. And let's end with the tight ends. Um, Dalton Schultz injured in this game, but 1.8 points. Kyle Pitts, 3.9 points. Tight end, 24. For Schultz, it's going to, I want to see the injury report. I want to see what we're dealing with before I say anything moving forward. Because obviously, if he's on the field and healthy, they're going to need him. But if he's hurt and he's going to look like, you know, how Zeke did last year, playing on with no PCL the whole season, I don't know if I want that. You know, they're going to, I mean, Noah Brown's going to step up instead of Schultz. Schultz can't even move. Um, but Kyle Pitts, are you ready to hit the alarm on Kyle Pitts? I think I did at the end of last year and in, in this first game, in the first game, or I should say last week, confirmed that I should still be. Like, yeah. I get that Pitts is a generational talent coming out of school just based off of athleticism. And he's just in the wrong offense. He just is. This is a downhill power scheme run game. He doesn't block. No. I mean, I, I have not seen strides where he's gotten to, gotten to be a better blocker. And for whatever reason, Matt Ryan last year and Marcus Mariota just don't find him. And you would think that someone like Kyle Pitts would be the focal point in a passing attack. And for whatever reason, he's just not. Yeah, he's not an overly polished route runner. And teams are going to bracket him. You know, like the Rams proved it this game. They're going to make Drake London beat you. You know, you're going to put it on the rookie rather than on Kyle Pitts. Last year, teams, even though Kyle Pitts was a rookie, they were able to, you know, take him out because Calvin Ridley didn't play last year and they had nobody in the passing game. That that's what teams are gonna do. They're gonna they're not gonna let Kyle Pitts be the one to beat him. So yeah, it's 
we're going to have to see something different in play calling where they're actively working to Kyle Pitts involved. Otherwise, he's got to be viewed closer to a Zach Ertz than a Travis Kelsey moving forward. Now we got the guys that it's it, it's feeling like it's getting close to really be I shouldn't have them on my team. TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson has been the guy where we've seen spurts where he looks great and then all of a sudden it's like this dude does nothing. If you were if I offered you right now, you had TJ Hawkinson, I had Zach Ertz, and I was gonna send you Zach Ertz for TJ Hawkinson, do you take that right now? Yeah. And I would too, and that that's crazy to me because you know it's just kind of felt assumed that TJ Hawkinson can be better. But in this current Lions offense, he's not going to be the focal point, and he's not even going to be the second option. So you got a guy fighting to be the third option on a team, on a bad team. You can't rely on that. Yeah, I mean he's if you've got him, you got to bench him. You're not dropping him. No, no. But if you can find a way to get a better tight end at the moment, because I think, I think Hawkinson's just getting out to a slow start. That's kind of what happened last year. And then he yeah. kind of turned up big time. Um, so like I, I, he's someone that you're benching right now, but like if Gerald Everett's still on your waivers, which like, I don't think he is, but if he is go get Gerald Everett mm-hmm. and start Everett over Hawkinson. That's the point that we're at right now because Hawkinson's just not producing. I would agree. And now these two, Hunter Henry and Cole Komet. Is it time to just cut ties with Cole Komet? Absolutely. This offense is just going nowhere. Yeah. It's just, I mean, we all had him as a top 10 tight end, and it's just disappointing. You know, it's just, they they do not see a reason in this offense to throw the ball at all. It's just ridiculous. Like, the wide receiving core has seven catches the entire season. The entire wide receiving core. Cole Komet zeros two games in a row is just ridiculous. And Hunter Henry, I feel like you can cut as well. He's he's touched on dependent. He should be a streamer. <laughs> we we have said on this show that uh, Dawson Knox is touched on dependent. Uh, I I'm pretty sure I had mentioned that Hunter Henry is more oh touched on dependent than Dawson yes. Knox. Yes. and it's kind of proving that right at this point. hundred percent. Well, with that, that that is our booms, our busts, our news and notes, um, our overreactions. Thank you for sticking around this whole time. Hope you learned something that's actually going to help you win your league. Um, again, we are the Fancy Football Fellas on YouTube and TikTok, FF Fellas on Twitter, the FF Ellas on Instagram. I am at Camelot317. This is at Tyler, Tyler underscore Plath, and we have at Lucas Wenzel on Twitter. Make sure you follow all the socials. Join the chalkboard. Oh, how could I forget? Join the chalkboard. That is where you need to be if you want weekly rankings, if you want trade advice, if you want start sit advice, if you want player props, if you want DFS, if you want anything fantasy football, that is the place to be. Tyler, do you have anything for the people? For the people? Well, let's just run through all the channels that we have on our chalkboard. You mentioned most of them, but like, here's all of them. Uh, there are there's a page for our podcast and when we release them for our weekly waiver wire ads where we release or we we uh, we post those on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter also. Um, but we have even more suggestions for you over on Chalkboard, including the ones that were posted. That's a steal. Uh, then weekly starts and sits. Our weekly rankings. We have daily uh, player prop or I shouldn't say daily weekly player props. 
We also have a DFS partnership with Superdraft where we post uh, the guys that uh, you may be inter- that you should be interested in if you're making a DFS lineup. But then we've also got channels for waiver wire starts and sits, trade talks, mock drafts. That's not so much used now because we're actually in season. Well, you know what I mean. Uh, league finders. That's also something. Um, team reviews. People are all you know constantly asking you know like how's my team going to do this week, right? Um, there are there are so many things on our chalkboard. Go join it. It's a good time, mm-hmm. and there and you know, people are constantly chatting. Join in on the fun. Yep, would agree. And I don't think there's any better way to close than that. So with that, deuces. We'll see you next week. Deuces. Actually, that's a lie. We will see you later this week. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Because we have a yeah we have a another episode for previewing the next week. All right, deuces now. <laughs> Deuces.